You're listening to a Mint podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Why Not Mint Money, Mint's flagship personal finance podcast. This is Akshit, your host from Mint's personal finance team, and today we have uh, Mr. Krishna Nair with us, who is the CEO of NDR Invits uh, Investment Managers. So today we're going to discuss invits as an asset class, how yields look like, what metrics that a retail investor should look in order to invest in these products. So do tune in. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started with your money journey. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Why Not Mint Money, Mint's flagship personal finance podcast. Today we have Krishnan Ayer with us, who is the chief executive officer at NDR Invits. We're going to discuss Invits as an investment product, how it works, its structure, the risks, the returns, the metrics that retail investors should look for, and any other wisdom that Krishnan is going to provide us. So, welcome, Krishnan, and over to you so just an intro of uh, what ndr does in yourself and then we could proceed sure uh, thanks akshat thanks for having me on the show uh, today ndr warehousing uh, which is the sponsor of ndr inbit is uh, the country is one of the largest warehousing and industrial parks owners we own about 17 million square foot of warehousing space across the country we are present in 12 cities across india and uh, we are primarily present in consumption centers and also in some industrial centers and uh, the group's lineage goes back to the 50s uh, they've been in warehousing and logistics since the uh, mid 50s and uh, as far as ndr warehousing goes and ndr inbit goes uh, today ndr inbit has applied to sebi for a private listing we hope to list sometime this quarter it is going to be privately held however it's going to be listed because our preference is uh, institutional investors even if it's privately held why are we listing because we want to have some transparency and uh, we wish to also kind of uh, you know be a part of the inbit uh, journey so this is what we are now what do i do i head the inbit manager which is pretty much the investment management uh, company which is being tasked to you know it has fiduciary and uh, stakeholder responsibilities in terms of managing the uh, inbit the trust and uh, i uh, hold a degree from bitspilani and i hold a postgraduate diploma in management from mit sloan school of management i'm also a certified accounting specialist from uk and i'm also a visiting faculty at iim bangalore i teach valuations and financial modeling at iim iim bangalore so that's about me yes we can kick off akshat thank you krishan thank you so let's start about understanding the structure like how an invit is structured who are the as you talked about uh, the uh, like you you are the manager investment manager who is the sponsor right. the trust entire structure so like in the simplest of terms let's let's talk about the structure of an invit sure uh, the first and foremost part is the invit now invit means infrastructure investment trust uh, i think people must be familiar with real estate investment trusts so these are similar to funds similar to mutual funds 
uh, which are you know what are mutual funds they are essentially vehicles which are highly regulated by and supervised by the regulator uh, where uh, different monies are pooled in and those monies are managed by a fund manager similarly invit is uh, a structure where the assets or the concession agreements are held by this particular trust now this trust is managed by a trustee and these are sebi appointed sebi regulated now i won't say sebi appointed sebi overseen uh, sebi regulated uh, uh, sebi licensed trustees uh, in our case it's access uh, bank uh, trustee which is going to be the trustee so what essentially happens is um, you know every invit is a trust structure now the there is always a sponsor to the trust the sponsor is the it can be the main shareholder or it can be the controlling shareholder and the sponsor effectively seeds the trust either in terms of assets or in terms of capital and uh, in our case uh, how we do it is of in that case for any invit uh, you know there are about 22 uh, invits uh, which are licensed by sebi now what happens is Uh, the assets or the concession agreements are held by the trust and uh, the trust is required to have a sponsor and the sponsor is required to be a shareholder in this trust for a minimum number of years and uh, the trust in turn is managed by an investment manager so these are all arms length transactions and they all have independent uh, boards and these are highly regulated and it's a very very transparent uh, structure a good thing about a trust structure is uh, you know the the assets are ring fenced and you know the assets are owned effectively by the unit holders uh, or the investors uh, who invest into this particular trust uh, and the fund manager has a fiduciary responsibility and has a investment responsibility in terms of uh, you know growing the uh, business yes uh, so i just wanted to know uh, uh, if you could uh, Uh, help our listeners to understand what are the underlying assets to uh, this invits like sure. since you you guys have a warehousing and it, like the what are the three what are the underlying assets in the three listed reits right now in which uh, in uh, retail investors could invest and the other uh, uh, underlying assets in that in which that are listed with sebi sure sure uh, so we'll i'll talk about uh, an overall about the industry what is um, happening in the market today then i'll talk about our specific uh, uh, you know uh, in bit uh, if you look at the three um, inbits which are available uh, to the public uh, they pretty much your uh, uh, indigrid uh, power grid uh, and irb infrastructure uh, inbit uh, now in the case of the first two the former two uh, they are basically the power transmission Uh, these are concession agreements uh, you know where uh, you know the power transmission lines or whatever it is where the assets the assets in both these cases are not owned by the trust uh, the concession agreement assets are pretty much owned by the government it is concession agreements and um, you know the trust has uh, how do i say based on these concession agreements the trust has raised money and uh it goes on to uh buy other transmission um uh you know concessions uh in the case of irb these are highways uh so these are the three uh inbits which are uh, listed and which are available uh, uh to the public right and uh, in the uh, case of the other inbits 
which are perhaps um, they, they're not uh, they're privately held uh, but they are regulated uh, by SEBI and they're licensed by SEBI uh, you have a lot of them you have the you have energy uh, you have highways and uh, you know uh, where you have uh, I mean NHAI has come up with a few uh, inbits and uh, now people are talking about data centers and uh, you have uh, uh, you have a, a school which has kind of uh, come up with uh, an inbit. Uh, so you have a variety of asset classes uh, over here. But again, a common denominator is, uh, you know, these have to pertain uh, to uh, infrastructure development. Understood. So and NDR, uh, as you mentioned, has warehousing as the as underlying assets for its inbit. Correct, correct. So if you look at it, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, another thing I want to add is uh, a good thing about an inbit is how it protects the investors is uh, in addition to uh, being highly regulated and being transparent in nature, the important thing is um, the 80% of the assets which form a part of the inbit should already be developed and operational. So they should be cash generating. So the project risk is pretty much mitigated. Uh, we're not talking about uh, an entity which is trying to raise money, or, you know, to undertake a new project or whatever it is. So, no, that's number one. Number two is 90% of the cash after expenditures have to be distributed back uh, to the investors. So these two things make an inbit all the more attractive. Now, coming back to NDR inbit, Uh, Now, we own and operate uh, uh, warehouses and industrial parks. Um, We have um, uh, about 17 million square feet of warehousing space, which is uh, developed. And uh, we are are rated AAA, uh, both by Fitch, which is India Ratings, and by CARE uh, Rating. Uh, This is at the uh, issuer level, the inbit level. Uh, so from a uh, uh, you know credit worthiness perspective, we've got the highest rating uh, possible. Uh, so all our warehousing assets, you know, which are spread across the country, uh, across uh, um, you know uh, uh, you, uh, the south, uh, west, uh, north, and the east, in places like uh, Chennai, uh, Bangalore, uh, Sri City, Puducherry, Coimbatore. Uh, uh, Goa, Mumbai, um, uh, you know, Delhi, NCR region, Kolkata. So we move mm-hmm. all these. Assets. These are assets are held by different different special purpose vehicles. Right. And uh, these special purpose vehicle, in turn, what it would do is, um, the assets would remain in the special purpose vehicle. However, the shareholding of the special purpose vehicle (SPV) would be owned by the inbit. And uh, the Invit effectively, the trust uh, controls uh, and owns these uh, warehouses. And uh, so that is that is what the structure is. Now, uh, you know, one is, so what is it we are having? One is we have a geographical spread. Uh, so we are pretty much diversified from a geographic perspective. Second is even from an industry perspective, I think we are pretty much uh, well diversified. Uh, we have you, we have the likes of uh, third-party logistics players as our clients. We have e-com, we have retail, we have industrial, we have auto. And uh, if I have to further bifurcate over here, uh, we have some 86 clients and, uh, you know, not more than, um, you know, 10% of our revenues come from uh, one particular client. Uh, so we are pretty much uh, diversified, uh, both from a, a region perspective, from an industry perspective, 
uh, and also from a uh, you know sector perspective uh, and second is uh, i think we are also diversified from a receivable perspective uh, because um, uh, our clientele is well diversified and uh, our mo- almost all our clients are investment grade uh, so we don't have to worry about the quality of the receivables uh, and touchwood we've been fortunate we've been lucky and uh, we don't have any bad debts uh, on our books and uh, you know that this is how uh, we are structured so effectively the investment manager would be kind of uh, managing uh, these assets with the help of what you call another entity which is the project manager uh, which is a separate entity it is a related party however these are separate entities and that is how this business is run and the the project manager would be in charge of construction project management facilities management uh, of the warehouses and the industrial parks understood so i understand india's positioning but let's since it's a podcast for uh, for the retail investors the retail audience so let's sure. let's focus uh, more on the listed products uh, from now on right so for a retail investor right. what are the metrics the uh, return metrics the risk metrics whatever that he should look when he like when when he wants to invest in these products so like uh, important metrics according to you that investors should look for sure Uh, the first thing i would look for is the quality of the assets uh, and the industry uh, where it belongs to uh, in the case of uh, uh, three these three assets uh, which we spoke about these three entities which we spoke about uh, we, i mean they are listed entities and uh, these are pretty uh, efficiently run and um, uh, you know these are both you're talking about transmission lines we're talking about uh, uh, roads and uh, here we're talking about uh, and i think they've been returning money to investors so one is you got to look for is okay what is the quality of the concession or the asset which is underlying that's number one number two is how liquid is it and what is the distribution uh, look for uh, past distributions because as i mentioned uh, sebi regulates that 90% of the cash after all expenditures have to be distributed back so look for trends in terms of uh, distribution and the third thing is is very discretionary you know that's that's from a taxation angle you know how that also depends on how you are structured where you are uh but if you're looking for something which is uh you know you're looking for a stream of annuities i think it makes a lot uh, of sense for uh, someone to have in bits uh, as a part of their portfolio understood Uh, now now coming to just the return metrics so like uh, a lot of people just look at the vanilla yields they do, they don't understand the working behind it since it's a it's not a product that runs into perpetuity you have to acquire new assets so what are like what are the return metrics you should look at the yields since yields are dependent upon the current price or you should uh, like uh, focus on the irr but as 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 we've talked about irr has an optionality if you acquire new assets irr might change so what what are the return metrics that uh, that investor should look like should sure. lo- uh, look for sure uh, so uh, akshit one more thing i mean i, I know you mentioned uh, so we are going to be the first uh, perhaps one of the few in which which are going to be running into perpetuity because we own okay. these assets mm-hmm. right the investors are buying into real assets these are not mm-hmm. concession agreements 
Right. And uh, yeah, having said that, okay. So in terms of uh, you know return metrics, uh, uh, yes, I mean look at uh, it's like looking at a bond duration, right? Uh, you know, uh, look at it something if if you are if I have to put it in layman terms, uh, if I have to look uh, and invest in a bond, uh, you know, will I look at uh, the year of maturity or will I look at the duration? So I will look at the duration. So likewise, I look at okay, uh, what are these concession agreements? uh you know where do they fall away uh what are the clauses in it uh are there escalation clauses and uh you know uh, one is what could because one is the track record that's different but when you are buying into a product any product you're looking at future cash flows right are you looking for future, you know, capital appreciation uh so you have to look at number one like uh, you know uh, what are the clauses what are the escalation clauses second is uh, you also look at it uh because there are there are a few there are there are three ways you kind of uh, uh cash is returned to investors right uh one is by uh via interest uh you know if it's a debt instrument which has been issued uh then uh, what is returned is the uh, interest payment uh second if it's a plain vanilla equity instrument uh then what is returned is uh, our dividends and you can also return capital uh there are a few invests which return capital and uh so you have to and especially when you return capital the taxation aspect come into uh, uh you know uh, play a lot more uh in the initial years uh, they may not uh, but the moment the uh you know the the accumulated capital uh, exceeds uh the uh the value at which the investment happened uh then uh, there is a you know tax on the uh, incremental amount right right and mm-hmm. so you have to you have to look at uh, these uh, these three aspects uh you know so uh, yeah so from a return perspective i would say uh look, look into these aspects and uh, also have a close look at uh, you know when when does this concession agreement fall away now what happens after that understood so now let's look at like if you could explain some headwinds that are like currently that are currently faced by the like the listed players in this uh, in which space one sure. thing that i understand a lot of people understand that these are quasi debt intru- debt instruments so if if yields go up uh, then obviously the like the notional the market prices would tend to fall also the the cost of refinancing and all that goes up but like like if you could explain this to our listeners uh, these things as well as uh, any specifics that you think are to each of these reads sure i've restricted myself in terms of uh, you talking about uh, the the listed inbits as well as the reads or are we talking about uh, in general we could talk about uh, like i uh, both of them okay. like the uh, Sure, sure. So, see, um, see, it all depends on. You see, if you look at it in our case, uh, you know what we have filed uh, with SEBI, uh, we plan to raise equity. Uh, so, at this stage, what we would return is, uh, you know, just dividends uh, uh, to the shareholders. Uh, so, likewise, uh, you know, what would, uh, but at the same time, uh, going forward, um, you know, we may also issue debt. Uh, so, uh, like in any investment. So one of the things that affects so end of the day what is an invit I mean what are what are investors looking at uh if I was an investor uh, yes I would look at uh, is it a warehouse uh, is it a school is it a power grid is it a highway uh, is it an alternate energy so all that is fine but the important thing I'm looking at is what is my yield right, right? so 
if i have to look at my peers whether i am uh, my my who are my peers uh, you have your integrate power grid uh, you have uh, the the roadways infrastructure all of mm-hmm. that so i'm pretty much my competitor is not another warehousing in bit alone uh, as and when they come uh, it is it is it it is the others as well because i'm in the yield business uh, i collect rent i keep some for my expenditures uh some for uh the commissions right. and then i return the monies to the investors mm-hmm. so i'm pretty much in the yield business now what affects yields uh main thing is interest rates uh you know in a environment where interest rates are continually rising or if there's uncertainty you know that could affect yields uh today uh i mean uh, you know with all these happenings across uh, from a macro perspective uh because if you look at it uh, i think uh the us uh, yields have you know gone for a toss uh inflation is still uh, pretty high over there right. uh some of the yields have held on uh so first thing i look at is my uh what are the interest rates so interest rates are something that could affect uh issuance even if i'm issuing equity uh, i still have to worry about interest rates because if interest rates go up uh you know the risk free rate goes up so the risk free rate goes up the risk premium grow, goes up uh so my you know my return expectations are higher uh so that is something i need to keep in mind one is interest rate uh second thing uh, you know that is probably uh i won't call it a headwind but uh i would say i won't call it confusion as well but there is a complexity in terms of taxation right uh, because taxation is not in my hands uh, taxation is uh, pretty much uh, the hands of the government mm-hmm. uh, and today uh, it's very very difficult i mean for a lay person to understand taxation is very very difficult uh, i mean this is something i i have discussed this with uh, with both the regulators with uh, you know the lawyers uh, our advisors but uh, i mean that is uh, what it is uh, if taxation structure uh, you know uh headwind uh, other than that i think uh besides these two i think we are pretty well positioned uh because uh, uh if you look at uh what uh affects or the infrastructure is uh, this industry per se is number one government policies uh, the government has been extremely proactive about uh infrastructure investments uh in fact uh, they're talking about uh, you know an investment of about close to 1.7 trillion in infrastructure over the next 5 uh, years and uh, we know that uh, a rupee one a gdp growth of uh, uh, rupees uh, 2.14 in the first year and 3.14 in the second year onwards Uh, so you know these two things can uh, you know play a role because the government is very keen if they want to get to that 10 trillion gdp investments need to happen in infrastructure mm-hmm. and the governments alone cannot mm-hmm. do it uh, they'll have to have private sector others to come in and i think invits are a decent structure over here uh, so one is look at government policies uh second is uh, you know what is the quality of the infrastructure what is the existing infrastructure uh, i think uh, we all know what is the quality of the existing infrastructure it requires a lot of improvement and uh, so that requires right. a lot of capital and it requires patient capital and this is where invit mm-hmm. comes in so the other thing which i would want to advise investors is uh, you know if you're investing uh, if you are looking at 
let's say uh, some kind of a quick gain, a short-term gain, uh, inbits are not meant for you. Uh, if you're looking at trying to build a portfolio where it's uh, it's a lot more long-term in nature, you're willing to wait it out for three years, four years, five years, or you wish to build a stream of uh, annuities, uh, then inbits are uh, a decent structure. Understood. So, what I could also uh, decipher from this is the inability of a, of an invite to acquire like newer and healthy assets could also like uh, impact the future returns. Am I like am I going on the right uh, right lines? You're right, right? Because see, because my if if I do not grow, see, invit provides a beautiful platform. Uh, you know, for uh, it to uh, uh, you know grow because it's a mm-hmm. uh, one, you, once you've tapped into the capital markets, once you've established a precedence, you've set a track record. It makes sense. Um, so uh, the quality of the assets, uh, what assets you acquire going forward, I think that's very very important. Uh, yes, that could be the thing. But are there assets available? Yes, there are plenty of assets available. And with uh, with large investments happening in the infrastructure uh, uh, sector, uh, I don't see uh, a shortage of assets. And it doesn't have to be restricted to the likes of, uh, you know, roads and uh, power grids and, uh, you know, uh, warehouses alone. Uh, we could look at industrial assets. Uh, you know, uh, I would say one of our facilities is a, it's an industrial assembly plant. Uh, you know, it is uh, one of the world's leading uh, manufacturers of uh, laptops, computer laptops. Uh, that happens in our warehouse. Uh, that's an industrial assembly line. Uh, and uh, so we have something similar uh, with another client as well. Uh, the second thing could be uh, something like uh, workers' accommodation, students' accommodation. Uh, you know, they come under infrastructure assets as well. Uh, so, you know, these are avenues where uh, one uh, could look into it. And uh, uh, so I think assets are available. It's not that assets are not available. Uh, but I guess you have to uh, do your homework. You have to be a little bit discerning. Uh, and you also, what is extremely important is uh, since um, the Invit is investing its capital and it's pretty much collecting the rents, uh, what is very, very important is the quality of the receivable. Uh, so, are there enough good grade, uh, you know, companies or uh, individuals one can lease these assets to? I mean, that's the secondary question mark uh, I would pose. Interesting. Understood. So, I think uh, these were pretty much my questions. Any Anything that you would like to advise our listeners as to like what to like, any, any wisdom, any advice for our listeners who want to invest in these assets? Well, I'm not qualified uh, uh, <laughs> as a financial advisor, but right. uh, I, would, I would I would just say that, uh, you know, in an environment where uh, interest rates are rising, and uh, I think the days of that, you know, uh, overnight 20, 30% returns is over. Uh, I think that, that era is pretty much gone because these were like uh, easy monies, uh, uh, right. chasing a lot of um, uh, investments which you know for the right or wrong reasons I guess uh, mm. they didn't uh, uh, some people made a lot of money some people didn't uh, but th- those those days are over I think uh, uh, if there are two things I would say is one is uh, I would say look for uh, entities which are 
which have stable assets and which are backed by a good set of cash flows. Uh, and number two is uh, also look for entities uh, which are not overly leveraged. Uh, I think today, uh, if you do not, if you have less debt on your books, uh, I think one is better off going forward for the next few years. Understood. Understood. So thank thank you so much, Krishnan. I I think uh, it was it was a great experience talking to you and thank you so Likewise, much. Likewise, Akshay. Likewise, yeah. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Why Not Mint Money. Remember, investing always comes with its ups and downs, and it's crucial to make informed decisions based on your financial goals. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the future episodes, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or X and LinkedIn. Until next time, stay financially informed and ask yourself, why not mint money? Stay updated on this podcast. Follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. Hold up. 